0: Hallelujah. This morning, my sermon titled, "The Victory Victory Sequel," if I can speak today. And last week we're going to be looking at some verses that we looked at last week. I um, really felt in my heart that God is, is doing a little more uh, on, on those verses. and so we'll, we'll look at, uh, again, 1 Kings chapter 18. We'll make our way back to Exodus chapter 17, and then we'll finish up, finally moving into Exodus 18 which uh, we've been trying to do for the last two weeks, and then we'll go on from there. And uh, so today's sermon is the Victory Sequel. And last week, we looked at the victory holdup. And if you missed it, you can uh, catch us up on the podcast. But the victory holdup, we looked at four reasons why we don't achieve victory in our life, right? And if you remember, the four reasons were we lack endurance. We don't keep going. We give up too early, right? We also uh, uh, lack in faith. Uh, if you don't have the faith, we're not going to receive the victory. We lack in vision. If we can't see the victory, we're not going to achieve the victory. And then, the lastly, the, the, is, is the result of accepting defeat. We, we 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 accept defeat, and therefore, victory is not ours. Once you accept defeat, you're not going to win. A, a boxer who who is defeated in the ring is knocked out on the on on, on the canvas does not either win a winner because at that point he's defeated or she's defeated. Right. So we accept a defeat we're not going to accept or we cannot accept victory because victory will not happen. That's a guarantee. You accept defeat, your guarantee is you're not going to get or achieve victory. But if we keep enduring, if we keep increasing in our faith, if we keep increasing in our vision, then at that point, God can give us the victory and that hold up in our victory, that snag in a victory we can break through. And we looked at how do we know victory is ours? And if it was in the beginning of my sermon, how do you know victory is ours? How can I be certain victory is ours? How is that? Because it says it where? In his word. It says it in his word that he'll give us victory through Christ Jesus. So victory is ours. Amen? So we can be confident in that. And so today we're going to be looking at the topic of victory again. And I want you to think about it. Once we receive victory, what happens? What's next in life? Is it we receive victory and then we're like, yes, we have the the parade and we have the excitement and we praise God for it. And then it's crickets and nothing else happens, I don't think that's it at all. Because when you think about Jesus and his victory on the cross over death, right, and over sin, and then what did he do after that victory, right? He rose again and he's seated on the right hand of the Father and he's doing what? He's interceding for us. So when you think about that, the victory was done, but there was a sequel to the victory. He kept on moving in that victory. He kept on doing the things that I'm grateful he's doing. It wasn't that I'm just done and over with. It's, you know what? It's going to continue. It's going to keep moving forward. There's always more in life. And for Christ, he, he, he paid the ultimate price, but he's still moving on our behalf. Amen? So I always believe there's always more, even to victory. And this, this week, God put it on, on my heart, four, uh, four victory sequels, if you want to call it, four truths regarding victory. And so if you turn your Bibles to First Kings chapter 18, we'll be looking at verse 44, which we did last week, and then we'll go into 45 as well. And it says, the seventh time the servant reported a cloud as small as a man's hand is arising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose. A heavy rain started falling and Ahab rode to Jezreel. The first thing I want us to see is we must accept. The first truth is accept the victory. We need to accept the victory, and let me tell you what this: what, the, what God told me this week. So last week we looked at First Kings. We started at verse eighteen. Uh, sorry, chapter eighteen. We looked at verse forty-one through forty-four. I just took you through forty-five right now. But 41 through 44, to recap real quick, it said that Elijah heard the sound of rain coming, so he went out and he prayed for rain, right? So he prayed for rain, he sent his servant out and said, is there any rain coming? The servant said, no, there's no rain coming. He went back to Elijah, said no rain's coming. Elijah did what? On the second time, went to pray again, sent out the servant, is there rain coming? No rain coming. He went back to Elijah, there was no rain, Elijah. Elijah went the third time, the fourth time, it wasn't until the seventh time that he said, is there rain coming? And his, and his servant said, yes, I see rain, and I see rain, a cloud. I see the rain cloud, not rain. I see a cloud of the size of a man's hand in the distance. Okay? That's what he said. I saw a cloud of the size of a man's hand in the distance. So what did Elijah do when that report came? What did Elijah do when the the servant came back and and the servant said, there's a cloud coming in the distance the size of a man's hand. The word says, so Elijah said, "Go go and tell Ahab. Hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. You know what Elijah did? He accepted victory. He accepted victory. He stopped praying. He got up. He told Ahab, you got to leave before the rain stops you. Think about that. The rain wasn't there. The cloud was in the distance. He did not see the rain, but he saw the cloud that would start the rain. And he said, victory is mine. Do you see that? He was praying for rain, he heard the sound of rain. He saw the cloud of the the size of a man's hand and he said, and he accepted the victory. He accepted the victory. His victory was a ways off. His victory was out there. His victory was on the horizon. His victory was further, far away, but he said, I see it. Everyone put your hands up like this, right? My hand is not, not big. Look at the size of a man's hand. So you got to understand, if you're looking, you go outside and you put your hand up in the sky, that cloud was way bigger than your hand. But if you go out further out and you look at a small cloud and you put your hand out there and you can cover that cloud, that's how small that cloud was. And he said, I saw victory and I accepted the victory. Amen? Look at verse 45 again. He says, meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, the wind rose, a heavy rain started falling. What does that mean? It means that Elijah accepted victory before he actually saw the results of victory. You see that? He accepted victory before he saw the results of victory. When Elijah saw the cloud, That was good enough for him. He said, I see victory coming, and I accept the victory because I've been praying for victory, and I see it, and it's coming. So I'll receive it, and I'll accept it. You know the issue with us? Let me tell you what the issue with us is. We see the cloud in the distance, and we say, that's my victory, but I'm not believing it until it's here. I'm not believing it until I see the rain come. I'm not believing what God is doing until I actually see the results of the victory. But that's not what Elijah did. He said, I see the cloud, the size of a man's hand, and I've accepted the victory. We will say, well, yeah, that's nice. I see a little little glimmer of hope. I see the cloud in the distance, and, and it's getting a little larger, but I still don't believe it, and therefore I'm no longer, I'm not accepting it until I see the results. Let me continue praying. See, God already answered the prayer. God already sent the victory. And Eliza said, you know what? I see that speck over there, and that's victory. Let me go tell Ahab, rain's on its array. Rain is coming. I accept that. It's victory. Amen? See, we would think we were close to victory, but we wouldn't accept it until we see it come to pass. The first thing I wanted us to see about accepting victory is we don't have to see the completion of victory to accept the victory. We don't have to see the completion of victory to accept the victory. That doesn't require faith. You see, if we, we see the victory and then we accept the victory, then at that point, that doesn't require faith. What requires faith is saying, I don't have to see the victory completed Elijah didn't see the victory completed. He saw a cloud coming, and he automatically said, my reign is here. My victory is here. I'm good. Let's do it, right? He accepted it. As soon as he saw victory, he accepted victory. Let me tell you this week. Let me be honest with you. Some good news, but I'm going to be transparent with you. This week, we decided to move forward with our building, which is a good thing, Amen. And so I sent an email out, and I said, hey, just let you know, we're going to come to agreements. We're going to accept your terms and conditions. What's next? And she emailed me back. We've got to sign a lease and get a move-in date. And I'm like, perfect, let's go, right? And I remember going home, and I thought I already knew about it because I called her and told her all, all the details that went on and the prayer that went on Wednesday morning before we accepted the offer. And I said, hey, I said, uh, you know, it's kind of cool that we got our building. She goes, yeah. She goes, did you... Because my my brother-in-law has been praying, uh, Pastor Robbie. You was—he text Pastor Robbie. I said, "No, not yet." She goes, "Why not?" And I said, "Well, I don't. I, I'm, I'm going to wait till I have, have the keys." And God spoke to me and said, "Wait a minute. Your clouds over there. You saw the victory. Why are you waiting for the rain? Why are you waiting to get the keys to say you have victory?" that I've given you victory on something that you've been praying for for many months now, why are you waiting for the rain when the cloud is already in its, on its way? Said so accept the victory because the victory has been given to you, but our issue is we don't accept the victory and we reject it. Or we, we discount it. Or we minimize it. And we say, because I want to wait until I see the rain, or I want to wait until I get my keys, instead of saying, no, God's already made a way. He's, he's, he's given us victory. I accept it, and I receive it, and I'm going to walk in it, and I'm going to move in it, even though it may be just an email of agreements. Amen? Even though it may be just a rain cloud coming, or just a cloud coming. We knew at that point, that if the victory was given, all he had to do was accept it and walk in it. Amen? Let me tell you this: we tell us if I've heard this before, you know, I'm not going to accept victory until my body is completely healed. I'm not going to accept victory until the cancer is, is completely gone out of my body. It's just in remission, it's not completely gone. I'm not going to accept victory because of this or that. My question to you is, did God sustain you today? Is God still working in your life today? Is God still moving in your life today? Because if he's doing a work, then your victory is there. You just got to accept it and not see just a complete 100% work of it. You got to accept it. Amen? You think about Noah. Noah would have died if he said, I'm going to wait for the rain to build the ark. No, he built the ark because he knew that in order to save his family, which would have been victory for Noah... I'm going to have to start building now and then I'll see the rain coming physically. It's not we don't wait until we actually see it happen. We see it on the horizon and we can accept the victory in our lives. Amen. Elijah went on this business. And he moved forward. He went on and he left the area. Before the rain even started, he left the area. How was that possible? Because he accepted the victory. He didn't have to wait for the rain to claim victory. He saw the cloud on the horizon. He said, that's the cloud I've been praying for. I'm going to walk in my victory. There's things that you've been praying for. There's things that you've been praying for. There's things that you've been seeking the Lord out. And there's things that you see little movement on. And you're saying, well, I'm going to keep praying. Which Keep praying. But let me tell you this. That little movement, that little light, the little cloud, the little whatever it is, is a, is, is a glimpse of your victory, walk in that, accept that, and move forward in that. Amen? Let's go back to Exodus chapter 17, verse 14. We we looked at this a few uh, weeks ago. Verse 14 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered, and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the names of Amalek from under heaven. The second thing he says is remember the victory. We have to remember the victory, amen? Someone said remember. Remember the victory. After the Israelites won the battle against the Amalekites, God tells Moses, write this down. Write this down. Tell Joshua so you can what? Remember. Remember what I have done right here right now, the NLT version says, write this down as a permanent reminder. We all need reminders in life. Sometimes we need permanent reminders. We have permanent reminders. I look at my daughter and she's a permanent reminder of what God has done in our lives and the miracle that she was waiting for the eight years. Amen, permanent reminder. Write this down as a permanent reminder. And it's a common theme throughout the Bible where, where God does something, where God opens up a door, when God does the miraculous, and he tells the people, remember it, write it down. We see that throughout the Bible. We see that with the children of Israel. We see in Joshua uh, chapter four, when the Israelites are making their way across the Jordan River. God tells Joshua, "Go tell them to pick up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan and then go put it on the side of the road there, so it's a memorial of what God has done in their lives, so that they look back so they can what remember the victory at the Jordan River. Remember the victory. Amen? The book of Deuteronomy was Moses' last book that he wrote. Deuteronomy, Moses reminds the Israelites who they once were. He reminds them in, in Deuteronomy 5 verse 15, He says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. He repeats this another five times, almost verbatim throughout the book of Deuteronomy. Six total times he reminds them that you were slaves at one point, but you were delivered by God's mighty hand. Remember what I've done for you. Remember the victory. Remember Israel. Remember Dennis. Remember new life. Remember where I've taken you from, remember where you're at, but remember who I am and who you are and me, remember where you're going, amen? He repeats it six times throughout the book of Deuteronomy. Why does he have to keep repeating it? Why do we keep repeating stuff to our children? Because they don't get it, Right? How many times we have to repeat the same thing over and over again to our children until something clicks and they get it? But Moses had to tell them six different times, remember where you came from. Remember who you are. Remember whose you are. See, we forget about where we came from, but we forget about who we are and whose we are. Who are we? We are the chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. We are, 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 are not the tell, but we are the head. Right? We are heirs of God, God, uh, 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 inheritance of God. Amen? We are those things. The Bible tells us that we are those things. We got to remember them. He did not want the Israelites to forget who they were or whose they were. And Moses somehow knew that this thing called life, we get caught up. We forget about things. We forget to recognize what God has done in our lives. We forget about the last battle that we won. And all we're concerned about is the next battle that we're in. And we forget about all those things that God has done in our lives because we're so concerned in the here and now that we forget what God has done in our past. What God has done for each other. Or what God has done in his word. He says, remember the victory. He tells him in Deuteronomy 8, 11 through 14, he says, but be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied when you build fine, uh, fine houses and settle down, basically when you live your life, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. What is he saying? He's saying... Remember, remember when life happens, when you get a little fat physically and a little fat monetarily, right? With a little extra good, okay? Don't forget who God is in your life. Remember the victory. Remember who he is. But we're just like the Israelites. We would give God the glory for our victory and then a year passes and two years pass. And three years pass, and we totally forget the goodness of God. We totally forget the victory. Some of you guys know our story. It took us five years to get pregnant with Dennis. Finally, we received the victory of my son, and we were praying for that another child, and we waited a few years to have him, have another child. And Nathaniel put a condition on God that said, if I don't have a kid, by I'm 30, I'm not having one. Eight years went past between my son and my daughter, and God said, no, you're going to have it. And, it. and the thing is, that whole time, here we are forgetting that God has given us one child. Why would he not give us a second child? And there are concerns and worries, and the, the, the sleepless nights, and, and waking up in the middle of the night and hearing my wife crying for an, uh, another child. That wanting, that yearning of another child. And how we somehow forget about if God has made a way once, he'll make it twice. But we forget that. We forget that. We don't remember those things. We forget about those things which were impossible, but somehow worked out. We forget about those victories that, that we had, that we were praying so hard about. We forget about it because life gets in the way. Life happens and we totally forget to remember the victory that God has given us. Let me tell you this too. Our victory is not just for us to be excited and give praise at that particular moment. Our victory is to be excited and give praise our entire life. Right? We worship here on Sunday, but we worship here on uh, we worship where you're at on Monday and Tuesday. And Wednesday, worshiping is not just an act that happens between 10 10 and 10.30 or 10.45. Worshiping is a 24-7 daily activity, and so is our worshiping and our victories, right? And our thanking Him for our victories. It doesn't stop just because time stops or the day turns or the clock turns. It's an act that we live in, amen? Our victories are to be remembered of what God has done in our lives. Our victories are to be remembered and looked back on and say, look what God has done in my life. And if that same God can do it in my life, he can do it in your life. Because we worshiped that same God. If he's done it once, he can do it again. Isaiah tells us in verse 46, 9 of the New Living Translation, he says, Remember the things I have done in the past, for I alone am God. I am God, and there is none like me. I am God, he tells Isaiah. Remember, I am God, and there is no one like me. Amen? Jump to Exodus 18. Finally, we're in Exodus 18. It says, Now Jethro, the priest of Midian and father-in-law of Moses, heard of everything God had done for Moses and for his people Israel, and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. The third thing I want us to see, the third truth, is I want, to see, I want you to notice the attraction of victory. The attraction of victory. And I'll explain how this works here. Chapter 4, we see Moses, and we see he has his wife. And we see he have his, his kids, because remember, the, the, the Lord stops him because his son wasn't circumcised. But somewhere, somehow, they were sent back to Jethro and Midian. Somehow, I don't know when it was, the Bible doesn't tell us where, when, when it was. But we know what happened because in verse 2 of chapter 18, uh, we see that Moses at some point sent them away. He sent them away. So here they are with, with, with Jethro and Midian. And what's interesting here is Jethro, who's in Midian, somehow heard everything that happened with Israel and the Israelites. Now, I want you to think about that. There was no Twitter. There was no news feed. There was no breaking news. There was no U.S. Postal Service to deliver an overnight letter. There was none of that. No Facebooking or Instagram. None of that, right? And somehow he knew what happened with the Israelites. Somehow he knew. Now, we can narrow it down and say maybe Moses sent somebody out to Midian and told him what happened. Maybe the angel of the Lord or... or, or or the Lord himself showed up and told him what happened, we don't know exactly how he knew. But he knew what happened with the Israelites, right? It happened. He heard of the victories that Moses and the Israelites had, and he went to them. In verse 5, it says, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' sons and wife, came to him in the wilderness, where he was camped near the mountain of God. Jethro had sent word to him, He says, I, your father-in-law, Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and your two sons. I want you to think about this. Jethro heard that there was victory, that the Israelites had victory, right? Jethro knew about that. He heard about that. You know what that also means? He heard about all the bad that they had to go through. He heard about it all. He had to hear that they were lacking of water because he heard about the victory probably, that they had water to drink. He probably heard about them lacking food, but then he heard about the victory of the manna and the quail, right? He heard about battles that they were in, and he probably heard about the victory after the battle with the Amalekites. He heard about all these things that happened to them. After all these events, he still leaves Midian with Moses' wife, his daughter, with his two grandchildren, Moses' kids, and he takes them to the wilderness where they're facing all this trouble. Now, I don't know about you, but a lot of us are parents in here. And how many of us would take our kids and say, hey, listen, I know they were lacking water last week, but let's go out to the wilderness and see exactly what's going on here. I know they were lacking food and they were just in the battle, but come on, kids, let's go out to the wilderness to see your dad. No, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. But he did it, and why did he do it for because the attraction of victory god's work, working over here there's some miraculous things happening there's the attraction of victory that's what happened moses went uh, i'm sorry jethro went to moses because he was attracted to victory let me tell you this people are attracted to victory you and i it's in our dna we are attracted To victory. We want to be with victorious people. We want to be with winners. We read self-help books. We listen to Dr. Phil or whatever is, is out now. We do these things. We read them because we look at people who have been what? Successful or winners in their life and we listen to them. We listen to them on our podcast. We read their books. We don't grab a book and say, hey, this guy's perfect at losing a life. Let me go read his best-selling book. No, because that guy who's perfect at losing a life doesn't have a best-selling book. It doesn't happen. It's we're attracted in our DNA to, to people who have victory. I look at my, and I love, I love basketball. You guys know this. I love my Lakers, right? Lakers I'll be honest, have been absolutely terrible the last six years, right? Absolutely terrible. But you know who's the number one attraction in in the NBA still to this day? The Lakers. And you know why that is? Because they have a history of 30 or 40 years of being victorious, title after title. I look at this younger generation, I call them all corrupt because they're all Golden State fans, right? And what, the last five years, who's been in the finals? Golden State, right? You Because in my household, there's a daily argument about who's better, the Lakers and Golden State. And it's like this flat-out war with my 11-year-old. But I, I, I look at it, and I say, oh, you're a hard-neck, uh, corrupt generation, you. But no, <laughs> one day, they'll see the light, and they'll come back around. But you look at it, and what are they attracted to? Nobody was a Golden State fan seven or eight years ago. Nobody was. But everybody is, why? Because people are attracted to victory. They're attracted to victory. Let me tell you that. We live in LA, no one's a Clipper fan. No one is a Clipper fan, right? Why, because the Clippers have always been just the redheaded stepchild in LA. Because they're attracted, people are attracted to victory. But what does this mean to me? What does this mean to us? That means your victory story? The victory that God has given you in your life, the victory that God has has shown you and has allowed to happen in your life, that's your victory story. And let me tell you this, everybody is attracted to a victory story and we gotta share the victory story, amen? Because I'll tell you what, if you sit down with somebody and you say, let me tell you about Jesus, they may leave. But when you say, let me tell you about my victory that Jesus gave me, they're gonna be all ears and they're gonna say, share it with me. Let me hear the story of what it is. Because there's all kinds of things. I I share my story about my my children uh, uh, being delayed. My mom and dad were told by UCLA that they should never ever have children to give it up and start adopting. And they had three babies. They had three babies when you think about that. That's their victory story. And I've heard my mom tell people that over and over again. Like, listen, you know what? You're dealing with something, but let me tell you about my victory and what Christ has done for me. And they're all ears. The victory story. People are attracted to victory. No one's going to say, Oh, you have a victory story? You won that battle? I don't want to hear about that. And if they did, you may need to start laying hands on them right then and there. Something needs to happen, right? We all want to hear a victory story. We're attracted to victory. Which leads us to our next point what Moses did with his opportunity. I mean, it says in verse 7 through 11. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. They greeted each other and they went into the tent. Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake and about all the hardship they had met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. Verse 10 says, he said, "'Praise be to the Lord who rescued you "'from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh, "'and who have rescued the people "'from the hand of the Egyptians.'" Verse 11, take a look at verse 11, it says, and this is what Jethro says, "'Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods, "'for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly.'" He said, "'Praise, Lord, praise the Lord for your victory.'" And I know who the real God is. And you know why that happened? The fourth thing was because sh- we must share the victory. We must share the victory. It's a victory story that we all need to share about because you have a victory story and I have a victory story. And it must be shared. He told him everything the Lord had done, Pharaoh. He told him all the experiences and all the hardship that the, that, that the Lord saved them from. He told them about all the victories that they experienced. And Jethro said, I'm delighted to hear what the Lord has done. He gave praise in verse 10 and verse 11. He says, now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods. Jethro was a priest. Did he know God? Bible scholars said yes. He had some kind of relationship with God, the true living God. But if there was doubt, there was some kind of doubt in Jethro's mind some kind of doubt about who God was. And when he heard the victory story from from Moses and the Israelites, he said, I know who the true and living God is. I know who he is now, and I will worship him. Why did that happen? Because Moses shared his victory story. Our victory story is not for us to hold on to and say, oh, God, you've done this in my life, and I'm going to hold it tight, and I'm not going to share it with anybody else. No, our victory story is for us to share it with all others that we come in contact with. Amen? It's your testimony of what God has done in your life. Proverbs 27, 17 says as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Iron sharpens iron. As we share our testimony in our victories, it's going to encourage somebody to go ahead and keep going. It's going to encourage somebody to say, if he did it in the life of Dennis, or if he did it in the life of Anna, or if he did it in the life of Liz, he can do it in my life as well. But it has to be shared. Amen? Your testimony as your witnessing tool for others to hear the victory story. And once it's shared, they'll respond just like Jethro. Lord is greater than all other gods. I see it. I hear it. I feel it. I understand it. But in order for it to have an impact, it has to be shared. It has to be shared. I tell you this your victory is not meant for you to sit on. Your victory is meant to be shared. Your victory is not meant to be forgotten. Your victory is meant to be shared. It's a sequel, it keeps going and moving and moving forward. And there's things I hope that one day my my kids will pass on to their kids and their kids to their kids. And it's a, a victory that's that's throughout my family lineage. We set the tone for our, our children and our children's children and our great-great-grandchildren. And we pass on those victory stories just like the Israelites to say, listen what God has done in my life. You shouldn't be here because I shouldn't be here because my parents, 30... 42 years ago, as of yesterday when my sister was born, 42 years ago, should never have been there. But God provided victory, and it's a story that will carry on forever and ever, amen? Let me tell you this. People may reject the gospel, but when you share your victory story, they're going to hear the gospel, regardless if they like it or not, because victory is in the gospel, and that's the only way that victory is accomplished is through Christ Jesus. Amen? Stand with me this morning to close in prayer. I'll tell you this, the victory continues. Live in it. Receive it. Function in it. Move forward in it. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord Jesus. Lord, first and foremost, Heavenly Father, I ask you, Lord, that as you showed us today that as we see the victory on the horizon, to accept the victory and not doubt the victory. But I ask you also, Heavenly Father, that you give us an opportunity, Lord, that 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 victory story, Lord, will attract people. Either, Either we will go out, Lord, or they're attracted to us, Lord, and we can share the gospel with them of the good news of what you've done and the victories that you've given us in our life, Lord. I thank you for that, Heavenly Father. I ask you, Lord, to also allow us to remember those victories, those things that you've done, not just easy to remember last week or the week after, Lord, but those things last year, 10 years ago, 50 years ago, Lord. Allow us to remember them. Allow us to praise you for those victories because as your word says, you're the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that we recognize that, Lord, that you are the God of the victory, that you are the God, Heavenly Father, that can, can do anything everything above all we can ever expect or, or, or imagine, Lord, as your word says. I ask you, Lord, as we leave this place today, Lord, allow our victory to, to speak life to others, Heavenly Father. Allow it to be a sequel that just goes on and on and on and on that does not stop, Lord, but is shared, Heavenly Father, not just for our family, but for our friends or coworkers. Lord, you've given a victory for us, to us. I thank you for that, Lord. Be with us as we leave this place, Heavenly Father. Protect us, keep us safe, and allow us just to meditate on your word this week, Lord. And we give you the praise and glory for what you've done today, but what you're gonna do throughout this week, Lord. We worship you in that. Allow that to be our daily worship, Lord, of who you are and what you've done. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray.